Uh, last week we uh, kind of veered away from John 20. We did read all the uh, different accounts of the uh, resurrection and we discussed some so-called discrepancies that are really differences in the way that the writers tell the, the, the account of the resurrection. But this week we'll try to get into John 20 and see how far we can get. Um, all right, so should be noted that even though Jesus had been crucified as a common criminal, he wasn't buried like a common criminal. Joseph of Arimathea, a member of the Jewish council, was a, along with Nicodemus. They didn't agree with the crucifixion of Jesus. And they provided a new, and uh, Joseph of Arimathea provided a new tomb. And ironically, um, it was a king's burial. He had over 100 pounds of spices, aloes, and myrrhs. We see this at the end of chapter 19. Um, so those who had prepared Jesus' body for burial had been interrupted by the high and holy Sabbath, the Passover. So on Sunday morning, the women came back to the tomb to complete their uh, preparation of the body for burial that they had begun on Friday. So uh, they mocked Jesus as the king of the Jews, but he was given a king's burial. So that's uh, kind of ironic there. Uh, now on the first day of the week, this is verse 1, Mary Magdalene came early to the tomb while it was still dark and saw the stone already taken away from the tomb. So we just discussed how Joseph and Nicodemus um, had begun the uh, preparation process and these women were going to continue it. Who knows, Joseph and Nicodemus may have been coming later in the day. Um, and they rose probably before dawn because it said it was still dark. I think that's in John's account. And even though uh, we discussed last week that these women could have come from as far as Bethany, which was two miles from Jerusalem, so the day was breaking at, by the time they got there. Um, Jesus had already risen from the dead. An earthquake had already occurred and angels had rolled away the stone and the soldiers had run away from the tomb in fear. So the anxiety of the removal of the stone and, was eliminated because Jesus was not there. Matthew 28, 2 through 4 tells how the angel came down uh, and the earthquake opened the tomb. These guards, um, they fainted. They were, can you imagine guards that have been trained to crucify, trained to make sure the person was dead, and trained to, uh, you know, uh, make sure prisoners stayed in prison, or in this case, that nobody took the, the body away, they fainted and they ran in fear. Um, they took bribes, as it turns out, to say that the body had been stolen. And the writer says, of course, that this is what they account from to this day. So um, those who say that it didn't happen 
um, these people were experts in death, so that just couldn't be the case. Um, verse 2, so she ran and came to Simon Peter and to the other disciple whom Jesus loved and said to them, they have taken away the Lord out of the tomb. We do not know where they have laid him. So Mary Magdalene runs to tell the apostles that someone had stolen Jesus' body. Uh, apparently only Peter and John was, were either brave enough to come to the tomb to see, or maybe the other apostles were in their homes, the upper room. We really don't know where they are. But they are kind of cowering in fear because if they killed Jesus, who was the leader of the movement, and he worked all these miracles, and had, they'd seen him raise Lazarus and, uh, uh, the, and, and um, a widow from Nain, and a widow's son from Nain, and um, Jairus' daughter, then what, what would they do to these apostles who had never, uh, you know, they thought were just common men, and they could really do them in. So they were afraid. Um, Peter and John come to the empty tomb and some debates whether uh, uh, why the other ones came. We just discussed that. Um, we do know that all the apostles saw the resurrected Jesus after the event. So uh, this, um, this is... Uh, we don't really know where the apostles, other apostles were or, or if they were just afraid or just, uh, I mean, you know, look at it from the human being standpoint. We, we would be afraid too. Um, I guess I should qualify what I just said. Some of these apostles actually had worked some miracles because Jesus uh, sent out the 70, you know, and they were... They were they were part of that, so they could work some miracles too, but they were very, very scared at this point. So, um, Verses 3 to through 5. So Peter and the other disciple went forth, and they, were, and they were going to the tomb, and the two were running together, and the other disciple ran ahead faster than Peter and came to the tomb first. And stooping and lying in, and looking in, he saw the linen wrappings lying there, but he did not go in. Um, this is not in the Bible, but John uh, tradition has it that John was somewhat younger than Peter. Uh, I think tradition says that at this time um, Peter was thirty-six and John was thirty. So, you know, a 30-year-old can outrun a 36-year-old usually, not all the time. But um, So he, he beat him there. And he, John saw the linen clothes were, were neatly wrapped, lying there, but he didn't go in. Uh, Peter did. Peter was always impulsive. He always had to speak out. He kind of spoke his mind. You know, there's a lot of, a lot of us like that. Uh, our first thought is why would someone, their first thought was why would someone steal Jesus' body but leave the linen clothes folded neatly to one side. Even the face cloth was rolled up neatly on the other side of the tomb. We'll talk about what some of that might have signified and if anybody has any comments about that they can too. They can 
they can discuss that. And anybody got any comments to this point or questions or before we get into six? It's kind of neat. It looked like the Jesus just came up out of the grave right and saying, just laying right there like a, a cocoon. That's right. Yeah, I was going to discuss that, Mike. That is exactly right. It just It's like he miraculously, like a ghost or something, came up through those and left them right where they were. It's amazing. The stone being rolled away really wasn't for Jesus to come out. No. Right. It was for the apostles that were well, really for the women to go in. Yeah, that's, that's a good point, too. Uh, yeah, uh, Jesus didn't need, and we'll talk about later on in the chapter that he's going through doors too that are closed. At, you know, to see that. I, was, I had never noticed before when you talked about the earthquake. Uh huh. Was the earthquake caused when the angel rolled the stone? Uh, that's, that's the impression. It, that it, it, that's what you kind of have to garner from this, but I don't know that for a fact. Um, you know, I imagine a, you know, there was, wasn't there an earthquake in the, for the Philippian jailer for the angel to get the, wasn't that another situation where there was an earthquake and it opened the doors and I mean, you'd have to check me on that, but yeah, uh, that's a point. I really, you know, you think that, but you don't know that. I don't know that for sure. Yeah, that's probably that's probably right. Yeah, that's a very good point. So yeah, that's uh, you know um, unnatural events kind of accompany some of these things. They they you know for for uh, angels, angels were a very terrifying uh, thing for a lot of people. Uh, if you'll notice most of the time in the Bible when angels appear uh, it terrified men you know it was an event that it was going to be something big happened usually after that um, you know the angels appeared to uh, uh, Lot at Sodom and Gomorrah and after that you know the whole city got destroyed and so you know they, they, there was a lot of significance to an angel appearing to someone. Yeah, J uh, Jacob, yeah, being wrestled with, yeah. Uh, a lot of different things happened there. Um, we don't know whether it was an angel or whether it was Jesus himself that was in the, the, uh, the uh, fiery uh, furnace, and, but, um, you know, that kept Shadrach, Meshach, and Begin Abednego from being burned alive, you know, so you know, a lot of significant events happen when angels are involved. So, all good points. Um, and we just discussed how there wouldn't be, neat, uh, as Mike said, there wouldn't be neatly folded wrappings if, if uh, someone had stolen the body. They would have stowed the body with his clothes. Um, Peter wasn't satisfied with a mere glimpse, so he, he, he goes on in to see what was going on. We talked about that. Verses 6 to 8, and so Simon Peter also came following him and entered the tomb. He saw the linen wrappings lying there and the face 
cloth which had been on his head, not lying with the linen uh, wrappings, but rolled up in a place by itself. So the other disciple who had first come to the tomb then also entered, and he saw and believed. Um, so John's curiosity finally got the best of him, and he had to go in and see for himself, and there was a folded napkin there that um, uh, represented Jesus' resurrection and departure from the tomb. It was orderly and voluntary, not the result of a theft of his body. Um, one thing I read, and I don't know uh, if how much significance we can take of this, but one Jewish custom of a folded napkin at a table was that the person was saying, I'm coming back. So whether this meant that he was going to come back and appear to the apostles and you know dis- discuss his resurrection and all that, or whether this means he's going to come back for the second coming, you know, we don't know whether that... You know, I just thought I'd throw that out there, but uh, I thought that was kind of interesting. I never had read that before. But, um, 9 and 10. For as yet they did not understand the scripture that he must rise again from the dead. So the disciples went away again to their own homes. Um, Psalm 16:10 says, um, says, Thou will not leave my soul in hell, neither will thou suffer thine holy one to see corruption. You know, these apostles up until this point had no idea what those kind of uh, scriptures meant. They were just, um, you know, I guess they thought Jesus almost was speaking another language to them in some ways. They just didn't understand who that was talking about or what that was talking about. But now they begin to see, after Jesus has risen from the dead, you know, it's kind of like a light bulb had gone off with these disciples. Um, They finally start seeing what what this this whole thing is about. Um, So Peter and John, they go back to their homes there. some of the other scriptures, of course, that, you know, were brought to light would be, you know, Isaiah 53 and talking about, uh, you know, the, the Messiah that he would suffer. Psalms 22, you know, talking about uh, the same thing. Uh, Psalm, uh, Isaiah 55, you know, some of these things start, you know, clicking to these apostles and disciples and they start finally understanding what Jesus had meant all of this time for the last three years. Um, We've got to remember that John is writing this gospel years after uh, the resurrection, um, anywhere between 60 and 100 A.D. You would would think that this... um, this uh, gospel was probably written pre- before Revelation and, 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 you know, all of that, those circumstances. But anyway, John is saying that he did believe. And I don't think it really said that about Peter there. So 
uh, you know, it's just said that the other disciple, the disciple that Jesus loved, believed. And um, so I thought that was kind of interesting there. But we all know that, that Peter would, of course, believe as well as all the other apostles. They all were very, very, um, you know, enthusiastic or zealous to go preach the gospel. And they did it for the rest of their lives. Remember Jesus told Mary now, when you go tell everybody when you leave here at the grave go tell the apostles and Peter. Because mm-hmm. Peter just kind of quit being an apostle. That's I'll a good point. Sure he knew, so he had to be the one to go to the grave He'd kind of gone back to fishing pretty much, hadn't he? Yeah. That's uh, and I think uh, Brother Tim when he gets into chapter 21, there'll be some discussion about Peter fishing and Jesus joining him and that sort of thing. So, yeah, that's a very good point. Uh, Peter, one thing about Peter uh, from the reading that I've done, it seems like that he, he was, when he got in, he got all in. And so, you know, when he got, became a restored apostle, he really, really uh, lived it out. And, um, you know, tradition says he was crucified upside down. And so, you know, he, uh, he really was um, a zealous apostle after, when, he, when he was restored. Um, verses 11 and 12, but Mary was standing outside the tomb weeping. And so as she wept, she stooped and looked into the tomb. And she saw two angels in white sitting, one at the head, one at the feet, where the body of Jesus had been lying. So here we see our two angels. We discussed last week that some accounts say, you know, we talk about one and this one is two. Well, so which one, what it, which was it? Well, it was two. And um, I think Brother Paul made a very good uh, uh, comment last week about, you know, if somebody tells a story, uh, you know, by the time that two or three people tell it, or you, they have two or three different accounts of it, they're not, even if it's 100% the truth, one person's not going to have the same details as the other people who tell the story. So I think he also made this comment that um, it, it adds credence to the to the. Uh, accounts to the Gospels more than takes away from it because it's telling it from different points of view to different audiences, to Jewish, to Roman, to Gentiles. So, um, you know, people will look for discrepancies in no matter what the situation is. That, that's a good good point, Sam. Yeah, you got to consider your audience, I guess, in this who you're writing to. Um, I was I, I was listening to prepare for this lesson. I was listening to a preacher, and he was a denominational preacher. I I, I, hate, I hate to say, but. He did have a couple of comments that I thought were 
pretty good. He, he was talking about how John opened his gospel saying, in the beginning was the Word. And, you know, how that John was writing to believers and, and unbelievers. So, in other words, he was writing to some Jews. Well, what were Jews used to? They were used to the, to the Torah or to the, you know, to, the, to the Old Testament. How did it start out? In the beginning. So John's gospel starts off, in the beginning was the word. And I think another example of that uh, was, I think we'll get on over here, it'll talk about um, when, they, when Jesus was finally discovered that he was, um, it may not be in the John account, I thought, but I think it is. But anyway, how that, um, her eyes were opened and she knew that it was Jesus. Well, that goes back to the eyes were opened for Eve and Eve knew that it was, that she was, you know, that, that she had done wrong and that sort of thing. So anyway, I thought that was interesting that um, some of that language, uh, Jewish language is used in this book also. So, um, you know, there's little tidbits you can pick up on some of these things that you never had thought about when you really start studying, studying and looking into it. Um, verses 11 and 12. But Mary was standing outside the tomb, weeping, and so as she wept, she stooped and looked into the tomb, and she saw two angels in white sitting, one at the head and one at the feet, where the body of Jesus had been lying. So Mary wept and finally looked in the tomb herself, and the two angels are there where Jesus had lain, and um, while she was trying to prepare the body, uh, the angels startled her. And um, so this is not really embalming to what she was doing. The Jews were more doing like preparation. Embalming was like for uh, the next life that the uh, you know, the, the uh, embalming process for the Egyptians was more like uh, preparing a, a god or a goddess, their, their pharaohs for their next life and that kind of thing. And, but she was mainly just preparing his body for, bur for burial with aloes and myrrhs and other spices. Um, whereas these Egyptians, they would do things like, you know, put certain things that the Pharaoh enjoyed doing in the, in the um, you know, uh, pyramids and stuff for them. Um, this, of course, was done out of respect and also to prevent odors. So uh, different cultures have different ways of preparing bodies for burial uh, throughout the world. Um, uh, 13, and they said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, Because they have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. So she's still under the impression that someone has stolen the body. Um, she th thinks that they may be the gardener. They may be gardeners. So obviously these, uh, these uh, angels look like men, and we discussed, I think, last week that a lot, of the, a lot of these angels do have the appearance of men, so, and they can come in different forms, you know. But uh, 
that she thought they were gardeners or something, and she was still under the impression that they were uh, that the body had been stolen, and that she thought maybe these gardeners would tell her where the, where that uh, Jesus was, where they'd taken him. Um, obviously, here we see that she's not believing yet that uh, Jesus had been resurrected. Um, okay. So, That's a really good point. Yeah, Jesus had the power, or God had the power to just free Jesus. And there wasn't any of this, um, uh, you know, unwrapping him and uh, that sort of thing. And uh, so, yeah, that's a very good point there. See, we learn a lot when we really get to studying these things. Um, uh, Verse 14. When she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there and did not know it was Jesus. Um, I believe that I learned something this week from studying uh, for this lesson that I hadn't noticed. Um, Mark sixteen twelve says that Jesus appeared in one, one version it says that he appeared in another form to the two disciples on the way to Emmaus. And I thought that was a very interesting, um, you know, uh, verse there to see how that that was worded in another form. Could that be why that Jesus was not recognizable to to Mary and the other women here? And could it be because another reason that he wasn't recognizable to the two men, to the two disciples at Emmaus? You know, in another form, if that's, if that's the tr- correct interpretation there, then Jesus, of course, could make himself look different. And... Um, Mary Magdalene, they took chance to tune, it, was, uh, it was still dark that morning when he got there. Yes. That's right, Brother Terry. I saw that also when I was reading another commentary. It was saying that dawn may not have broken very much. Even if dawn had broken, it was still dark. And uh, you know how it is when the, when the sun first comes up, it doesn't shine. You don't get, get the full effect of it until it's gone, gone up a ways. So. Yeah, it could have been just not being recognized. But then again, this, this other verse, Mark 16, 12, we've got to consider that too. We just don't know. Um, so, you know, um, it could be that he took on a spiritual glow or something, and he didn't look like a human at that time. We, we just don't know what the situation was right there. But uh, anyway, they didn't recognize him. Um, verse 15 Jesus said to her woman why are you weeping Uh, whom are you seeking 
Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. So again, this is kind of, we've kind of discussed this. Um, Jesus was very sympathetic, uh, very caring. You know, Jesus and God are love. So she's really uh, saying, what, you know, what, who are you looking for? I'm going to try to help you here. Um, uh, is there anything I can do? Uh, he wants to relieve her grief. Um, and she tells him that, you know, uh, someone has taken the Lord away, her, her Lord away. And uh, she wants to know what happened to him. So, um, verses 16, 17. Jesus said to her, Mary, she turned and said to him in Hebrew, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, Stop clinging to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father, but go to my brethren and say to them, I ascend to my Father and your Father and my God and your God. Now that word Rabboni there means master teacher in Galilean. And she, when he said that, when he used her uh, language, uh, I guess, you know, uh, something that she really did remember him by, something in her own language, her own tongue, then she knew that that must be Jesus. So, you know, regardless of whether she couldn't, under, couldn't figure out whether he was um, in another form, in another facial form, or whether it was dark, or whether the situation, we don't know what it was. That was the clincher right there. She knew who he was. Um, and part of it was he knew her name. Uh -huh. She didn't recognize him, but when he said her name, she says, he knows me. Jesus knows everybody, doesn't he? So, of course, he knew her. Uh-huh. That's a good point, too. Yeah, it could have been crying. I said she was crying here. So, you know, you don't recognize people when you're crying. Um, getting back to the voice, you know, it's, I think we studied back in John 10. Is it 10? Where, where um, you know, my sheep hear my voice. So she was a sheep, and she recognized Jesus' voice there. So that's, those are really, really good points there. Appreciate that. That's good. Uh, in the Greek here, this was uh, what in, in the commentary here it says it. He referred to her Ramona. Well, this is the way you call me, Master, in her own language, there, which would have been Aramaic. Right, Aramaic. It's yeah. In the Greek, so he just greeted her, and the, their common language in that area was Aramaic. Right. And so it sparked when she called her and said, "Yeah, you call me a uh, Master." And it, that's the same thing she always called him. 
It's like, I know who you are, Bill. Uh, right. That's a good point. Um, um, now, there's also some other points we can get out of this. Um, he says, you know, uh, he, he tells her to go to stop clinging to her. Um, I, I've seen some of the movies in Hollywood about, you know, around Easter time, and it'll show, it'll show Mary, you know, hugging Jesus around the neck and all this kind of thing, and just, you know, trying to make some kind of a something more than it's not in that situation. But, you know, the the um, the commentaries and all pretty much say that it was the feet that he that that she hugged him with. Uh, around his feet, and that was mainly a, a show of worship, a show of respect, a show of you know you you are my master type thing. So anyway, I just it's so many you know Hollywood's got a way of really making things out to be completely different from what they really are. Um, I was watching, uh, I guess it was I don't know if it's last week or something. They had a, a Sodom and Gomorrah remake from, I don't know, I think it was like 62 or 60, 60 or 62. And if you watch that movie, you just going to have a fun time just picking out the errors in it. Um, when, they leave, when they leave Sodom and Gomorrah, they, uh, it's almost like all of them left. <laughs> and, you know, it, it's always been my impression it was just uh, Lot and his wife and the two daughters uh, that, that left. And it shows, you know, there's just like they're opening the gate and they're all leaving, you know. And, and there's other things that happen in there. They have a Lot having a, you know, uh, uh, he, he marries a girl from Sodom and that's why he's so in love with Sodom and not wanting to leave and all that kind of thing. It's, it's just a mess. Um, I, I don't know. I wish, I wish there was, you know, for all the junk on television, and there's just <laughs> so much, why can't they come up with movies that are exactly like the Bible portrays these things and show those and not corrupt people, but... Anyway, I digress. Um, so that's um, that's uh, what we'll we'll take out of that, unless anybody has any more questions. Um, so we'll finish up uh, eighteen next, and that might be as far as we get. Mary Magdalene came announcing to the disciples, "I have seen the Lord." And that he met, and that he said these things to her. So Mary kind of composes herself from crying and and realizes that this is Jesus, and that the Holy Spirit will now be with her and the disciples forever because Jesus he's not going to die again, and that he's uh, no longer a slave to death, and that everyone can have the same joy if they uh, follow him and. Uh, and, you know, he's going to be telling what they can do to have eternal life here very soon uh, before he, uh, you know, in his great commission. So she goes back, and Mary is, in essence, the first 
missionary because she goes back and tells uh, the apostles, the disciples, that she's seen the risen Lord and that uh, she, they need to come see. And uh, so, you know, Jesus had, uh, he bestowed the privilege of announcing his resurrection to this poor, demon-possessed, formerly woman who had, um, you know, probably been an outcast in her life in a lot of ways because of the demons that before before she had the demons, um, you know, uh, chased out of her by Jesus, she was probably not a very upstanding uh, person in the community there. But she is the first one who gets to see the risen Lord, and she goes on and goes back and tells the apostles about it. So, you know, I think we studied a couple of Wednesday nights ago about uh, how Jesus, how, how the God takes the, uh, the, the uh, simple things, he, he makes the gospel simple uh, to confound the wise. And uh, so this was a, he, he, he appeared to this, this Mary Magdalene here and to a, to a person who was not upstanding in the community as a way of just showing that his gospel is for all. It's for, for, for rich, poor, uh, young, old, women, uh, everyone is going to be, uh, you know, invited to uh, be- become Christians and the gospel is for all. So anybody can come up with anything else out of that that they would like to add? Right. God uses everybody. If we allow him to, he'll use us no matter what our past has been. We're to be of service to God. Right. And, you know, if we're willing, uh, the Lord will restore us back no matter what we've done. Look at all the things that, like David did. You know, uh, he uh, uh, was with Bathsheba and had her husband killed, and um, you know he was he did a lot of a lot of bad things there. Um, uh, he, um, of course, he has his children. Where Absalom was a. You know, there was fighting over the kingdom while he was uh, while he was king and after he was king, and um, you know there were so many things that happened there that were just not good in David's account. Uh, you know, there, I was reading, I think, about a little bit about David this week um, after Saul and Jonathan had been killed in battle. And they died. You know, there was a servant who came to uh, tell David about it. And um, this servant actually had nothing to do with them getting killed. And David ordered them to be ordered that servant to be killed. You know, because he had had the spoils from from Saul. And you know, there's a lot of little things that he did that were not good. So. Uh, but he, he was a man after God's own heart. So, you know, God can use us all. So we'll pick up next week in uh, verse 19 and hopefully finish this chapter 
I don't think it'll be very hard, and if there's any time, we'll just kind of talk about uh, the resurrection some more. But thanks for the, your, your attention and your comments.